Welcome back, everyone. This is The 23, and I'm Chris Kirkby. Today's guest is Dr. Mary Elizabeth Mansfield. Dr. Mary graduated with a Doctorate of Pharmacy from the University at Buffalo in 2008 and has worked in various settings, such as community pharmacy, hospital, and for an insurance company. She's the creator and host of Mindful Empowerment, a broadcast on natural health and wellness, providing people with the opportunity to make more informed decisions and choices on their health and helping them live happier and healthier lives. She values truth, freedom, and family. Mary, welcome to the 23. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. No, not at all. It's, it's my pleasure. Uh, so Mary, talk me through what the your Mindful Empowerment broadcast is about first and foremost. I think that's actually a good place to start. Yeah, it is about considering health from multiple perspectives. So as you were kind of reading in the introduction, my background as a pharmacist is I was schooled kind of in just that one more allopathic model of health and then realizing that there's so much more to the picture. So looking at health, not just physically, but emotionally, mentally, and focusing on looking at health from a holistic perspective as well, getting at to what is causing disease, what what is really the overlap behind a lot of these different things we label as different diseases. And I have, you know, get guests on to dig into that and looking at holistic health and alternative health. I think this is actually something for me, very, very interesting personally, um, because I've often wondered and not having any sort of medical background myself, but I've often wondered what could be achieved if people could, um, get past the polarization of views on what health is and which which school of thought should dominate um, health and start um, taking into account all the different aspects, like your a more holistic approach, like you're saying here. So for me, really, really fascinating because that's what I would think makes sense. You know, if I just took a step back and from a common sense perspective, that's for me where we should be going. How do we make all these other things link together to create a more um sustainable way of healing people treating people preventing people getting sick in the first place so f- from your side of things what where do you think um because so you studied pharmacy obviously and then you moved into the all these other areas and what have you found so far is maybe the most under, underestimated area of of like health and treatment and well-being I think one interesting thing, it's, it's so basic, but it's just the, what people are eating, what your diet is like the food you eat. That's, that's something that when a lot of different um, functional medicine doctors or other holistic people, you know, start, it's just looking at the diet and then it's looking at environment and lifestyle and things like that. But really it is so basic. A lot of uh, major changes to people's health can be changed just through changing what they're eating and drinking alone. So some of the things I think are, can be simple and certainly different things work better for different people. You know, sometimes there's, you know, prescription medications that can work too and other things, but the, you know, kind of back to my podcast, mindful empowerment, I, I named it that because I think it's about thoughtfully or mindfully, you know, considering a whole ranges of different perspectives and then helping to empower people to make the best choice that they can for themselves. Yeah. Um, I, I like sometimes the, the the simplicity and the steps that we can take to make ourselves healthier and protect ourselves against ailments. From from your experience so far, what if there was, let's say, one one food 
um, that you've come across that you think that this is if you were only to make sure you change one thing and and start intaking this food in into your daily in daily diet what would you pick out as the standout first i would i would say yeah if it's a food um vegetables would be something to add in that most people don't get enough of or just drinking more um clean good filtered water too and interesting um that you said what can we add in and not necessarily just what do we take out first so, well, yeah, yeah, feel free to sharpshoot me. So what do we take out first? No, I think I like the approach of adding in. Yeah, I had um, someone on my show recently and the way, you know, she, you know, she coaches health, you know, health coaching and she focuses on what do we add in first? And then, and then after that, then we can get to what do we take out? And I think that's a really practical way to do it as well. Um, for people who the thought of like taking away all their favorite foods, you know, that's not very fun or exciting or motivating. Um, so, you know, adding in just drinking, you know, good, clean, filtered water, and then, you know, adding in more vegetables, those are just basic things. Um, and then, I mean, of course, specifically there's, you know, different kinds that might be, you know, better than others. And then, and then after that, okay, maybe then you remove on limiting the sugar. Sugar is a big thing that causes inflammation in the body. And then, you know, when we look at different diseases, kind of the source or the cause behind a lot of them has an inflammatory component. So um, that would, those are just, yeah, a couple things kind of off the cuff. Yeah, okay. I mean, I think the sugar ones, it's, it's, a, it's a well-known one, but also a commonly ignored one. I think probably because people maybe um, balance the short-term pleasure with the unknown impact potentially so that one can't counteract the other because they can't see what the impact could be because it tastes so good so people will keep will keep eating it but i know yeah, I some, people, yeah. some people might not realize too in some of the foods all the added sugar in it because they might be sold as the diet food um and that has lower fat but actually you know, I've looked at, you know, containers before and it's advertised as lower fat, but then it has twice the amount of sugar in it. Yeah. Uh, or they'll or sweeten it with something that's less than kind um, for your health as well. So there's, there's pitfalls everywhere. Um, it's, I think it's a lesson in always, if, you, if, you, if you're in doubt, read, read the packaging and check. I, but I think for me, a point from a personal side, the, uh, the sugar side, I, I can actually, I can tell the difference if I've, eaten excess sugar the day before because i don't i mean i, I take sugar in, in my diet because i want to drink alcohol and i'm not deluded enough to know to think sorry that there's no sugar in alcohol um but i noticed that if i ever combine say if i drink wine with my wife which we do and then i will eat say chocolate as well sometimes i say sometimes like pretending that i'm always healthy i'm not so but i will eat chocolate as well but the days the times when i eat chocolate as well as the day after I can always feel a difference. It's never a positive one. Yeah, I can feel the same thing. Also with fried foods too. That's another one, especially, you know, depending on what kind of oils are used in that. Yeah. That would be another one too. And, and where you can really feel that the difference in what you eat. So I think that's kind of, you know, when we eat more intuitively, um, because we can feel, we know the difference and kind of observing that and then making you know, it's hard sometimes to make better choices because we kind of get like, you know, stuck in it or, you know, addicted to yeah. the different things like sugar can be easily done. But realizing that, you know, we can, um, with the approach of what do we kind of like add in first and then 
once we start eating some of those better things and then and and know that we can change our health in a dramatic way i think gives us the motivation to be able to make those changes yeah and um so as you've explored these diff these different facets of health um what would you say is maybe the most widely accepted misconception when it comes to health in terms of the way people potentially make an assumption based off anyway anything they maybe saw on tv or what's in the media or you know what's on a i don't know maybe a bulletin board at their local doctor surgery um what do you what would you think is is maybe the biggest misconception that you've come across i think um i think a couple things um one one would be that if you're given a, a diagnosis in the doctor's office almost that that's that's all there is and that people believe almost that that's that's their path you know whether it's a, a label of a disease or you know more serious things like you know cancer things like that um, and just if hey the person in the white coat said it to me at the doctor's office well it must be true and I must have to just follow exactly what they say when really there's a lot of other you know more holistic different other options you can take and maybe that disease doesn't have to be a chronic disease where you have to take medication for the rest of your life. You know, maybe you can alter things with your diet and your lifestyle and not have to take a medication. So I, th I think a misconception is, is um, basically giving up our power and just being told, you know, one thing and not maybe getting another perspective or seeking an alternative opinion. Yeah. yeah. I think, you know, the theme already that I'm picking up um, and it's actually echoed by, you know, we, we're coming from different angles, but, you know, the things we're talking about now is just how important lifestyle and the way we treat our bodies on our, on our way through life is so, so important to, to what the, the output of our, of our health is. I was uh, one of my previous guests, a guy called Chris Collins, he's the head of uh, science or bioscience, should I say, um, a company called Moodoo Health. They're a UK-based company and they specialize in uh, DNA uh, and epigenetics. And, you know, while we may be talking on um, maybe quite high level just at the moment about the impact of what we do to our bodies, they do it on a, on a granular DNA level. And I've actually had my DNA tested with them and the amount of information you get back about things that you can do to protect yourself. Like I know that I've got, because of that um, that DNA test, I know I have an increased risk of uh, glaucoma, but I also know what foods I can eat to help. I know that I'm deficient in selenium, so I know that I need to eat Brazil nuts and things like that. Um, and it will tell me where my deficiency is, where my physical strengths and weaknesses are, so where you know that muscle power and speed and things like that and endurance, mental health, sleep. It's absolutely unbelievable the level of detail you get. And it all comes back to exactly what you're saying, is your lifestyle is massive when it comes to what the, the result of your health is as you as you go through it. Um, do you, um, like, I think there's the big question, I think a lot of times when people talk about, if we talk, take the health side um, and we talk, let's talk maybe weight loss slash the obesity kind of area. One of the, the, the first things, like, oh, you need to go on a diet or you need the no carb diet or you need this diet or you... <laughs> For me, I, I've never found that temporary things work so well for me. That's just my, just me personally. I know that plenty of people do get benefits from that. There, is there any sort of schools of thought around um, 
a way of eating that you think is either beneficial in a in a temporary sit, uh, setting or even even longer term yeah i hear what you're saying too um like the you know crash diet something like that where people go going and lose a bunch of weight but they're not really changing their overall lifestyle and choices and then a lot of times they might go back and you know eat more and end up getting the weight back and they're not really getting the you know health benefits because they're just going back and eating all the whatever junk they were eating before so I think coming up with a lifestyle that works um, for, you know, for you, as far as you don't have to eat perfect all the time, you know, maybe if you, you know, a couple days a week, you know, splurge on something, but the majority of the time, like find something that kind of, that works for you. Some people swear by like, oh, no gluten or, you know, other things like that. And, you know, I mean, it's true. We have, you know, people are, are different in what foods agree with them better. So I think it's the approach of, um, Find, yeah, finding a lifestyle diet. And I, a lot of people like to incorporate fasting in there. I don't know if you, you know, if you do that at all. Um, it's something, you know, I do when I've talked with, you know, some other people as well. Um, but that can be one, one way. There's all different ways to do it, whether you do, you know, one 24 hour fast a month or you do an alternate day fasting, things like that to give your body um, a break from, because a lot of the food that we eat has, ends up having toxins you know, in it or chemicals. So you're just giving yourself that, you know, period to have a, have a break from it, detox your liver, kind of recharge. And that can be one thing to like incorporate periodically. It's interesting. And, and the answer is no, I don't, I don't fast. And because <laughs> I like food too much, but I, um, it's interesting enough in the DNA test I just told you about, it actually told me that, um, that intermittent fasting is, uh, not, not not beneficial for me as much as it is for some people. It goes into that level of detail because I remember reading it and I was like, oh, I'm kind of reassured about that because I don't want to I don't want to uh, fast that much. But it's not something I would ever rule out. Um, you know, maybe you know, like a day or so if if it was necessary to to balance things out for me. It's not something I would ever dismiss because if it's going to have an overall benefit uh, uh, benefit on my health, then I would definitely take it into into consideration. Um, so for me, you know, you, you know, you talk on, on a very holistic level, you definitely, you can clearly see that you're passionate about what you do. So what's the, for you, what would be, how would you articulate the, the importance of making informed choices on your health? I mean, the importance, I guess, um, I'm trying to think exactly how to, I mean, answer, answer that. I think that's almost like, you know, everything as far as your health is being able to make an informed choice. So I'd say that's kind of crucially important, not just believing just everything you're told and believing that there's just one way, but to kind of hear more opinions. And I think that that's really the way to be healthy. I don't think you're genuinely going to be healthy, probably if you go your whole life and just believe whatever you're told because not every you know thing works for everybody and if you always believe what you're told you're probably not gonna you know end up doing any kind of a holistic lifestyle or getting to the root cause of the disease you're probably just going to see the commercials and think yeah. oh I have to take a pill for this and um and I I wanted to mention too you know you're talking about the DNA testing and um I think that you know I took I did a little of like you know pharmacogenomics in school and things and I've spoke with some people um, who, who say, you know, there is an element to, 
you know, your genetics, but a lot of it too is more about your lifestyle and what you eat. And based on that, you know, you can, genes can be like turned on or turned off. And so some people might think, oh, I, my, you know, whatever relative had this disease, now I'm just certain I'm going to get it. And they might go into that misconception, but really there's a lot more kind of room, you know, for play than that. Yeah. You see, it's definitely like I say, it's because they, that company, they um, also look at epigenetics as well. It's exactly what you're talking about, how you influence your genetics. And they're again, similar, very similar school of thought. It's about what you can do to turn things on and off, put things, pull things a certain way, everything, you know, everything from aging to, to um, how effective your, your sleeping patterns can be. You can influence through what you eat and things like that. When you eat type of food groups you eat in the morning, for example, if you, um, you know, for example, I know that I've looked at, I remember reading a, a research paper a couple of years ago now, but it was talking about how if you are, you know, you're struggling with your, maybe your mental health or if you can suffer, suffer from depression sometimes, that eating a, um, a high protein and high fat diet in the morning and, and not having necessarily uh, carbohydrates, especially starchy carbohydrates, first thing in the morning would really benefit uh, your, your long-term mood throughout the day because it's not crashing um, you know, that sending the insulin up and then bang, dropping it down later in the day. So apparently that can help. So some really, like, really interesting things. Um, what do yeah, you what like- with the carbohydrates too? It's really important too about how your diet can affect your mood and like people who might come in with symptoms of anxiety or depression, like sometimes just changing people's diet like that can have a dramatic impact on it. And how do you, how do you tend to approach, um, things like exercise when you, you know, when you're working with your, with your clients, how, how, how does that fit in and feature within the way that you look at things? Yeah, it's definitely um, part of it. And I mean, I personally love yoga and running, but other people might not love those things. You know, they might like you know, something else. So it's definitely a, a part of, of being healthy is having that exercise and, you know, whatever someone's natural, you know, passion or hobby is, you know, that kind of incorporates exercise, just using, using that. And um, like I said, I brought up yoga. So I'll talk a little bit about, you know, one reason I like that is because it combines the meditation and with it too, with the exercise. And so it helps to, um, you know, with your whole like mind um, and body balance. So that's um, if, you know, if you don't practice yoga, just incorporating some other kind of a meditation practice. Yeah, I mean that's interesting because you bring up the yoga because then the meditation. And I know that you, you know, you, you're keen on on mindfulness, but I think that mindfulness is a really interesting one because it means so many different things to different people, either depending on the level of um, research they've done into it, the amount that they practice it, uh, or even just how it's uh, perceived from the outside looking in. So, what what would you say mild, mindfulness is for you? Yeah. Um, I mean, I agree with you that it is some different things. So, and depending how you look at it in the situation, but at its, at its base, I would say it's kind of that, well, I want to say like, oh, being present, but I think even that term can be different things to different people. So it's more rather than just going about with kind of the, you know, hustle and bustle of the day and all your thoughts, you know, going in and out, thinking about, you know, 20 things at once to just be more, so I, I guess when I say mindful, more present, more calm, more, more aware, more thoughtful, um, more, you know, quick, slower to, 
you know, react and, you know, kind of thoughtfully to respond to something. Um, I guess that's not an exact, you know, definition, but, <laughs> um, and then I, I talk about it as, as thoughtfully considering the different perspectives too. Uh, you know, well, that, the, yeah. Yeah. This is why I ask because it does mean different things to different people. And that's, that's exactly, exactly why I ask because I don't know, to me, it means something slight, slightly different because, and I, maybe it depends on maybe either what type of journey you're on, where, where how far you are along a particular path to how you like how you perceive mindfulness. Because you know, to some people, mindfulness might be able to being able to just stop themselves. I don't know, insulting someone they don't like when they speak. That could be their first level of progress, and then it can go to a different place. That you know, maybe like meditation that you're talking about, and uh, maybe as part of yoga, or maybe um separate too so I'm, I'm so mary you've obviously got a degree that you can literally just pick up and you can plonk yourself down in in a profession what is it that made you want to like push yourself and and reach out to to create something for yourself it was you know after working in the kind of the different settings of a pharmacy and seeing that I felt like I wasn't giving patients in any kind of an informed choice. I felt like they were kind of just coming into the count to the counter and here's your prescription, you know, medication. And then they might come back because they had a you know side effect and then, okay, here's another prescription medication for your side effect or, you know, whatever, you know, things I was, I was doing, whether it was, you know, giving the vaccines or just giving the prescription medication, I started, you know, doing more research on my own and realizing that there are, might be other better ways. And I felt like that I wasn't in, in a position that I was really serving people. I felt like I was just part of the system. So I wanted to kind of step out of that and do something that I could actually feel good about, you know, <laughs> um, even, you know, based like, you know, morally, I would say too, I didn't feel right about um, trying to push um, only certain things, you know, medications and, and not give any kind of like holistic ideas to people okay so when you say you didn't feel right about pushing so does that am i right in, in thinking that in, you were in some way incentivized to recommend certain medicines over others um i think it, not necessarily over others but um like you would have to like give certain amount of vaccinations a day like to hit your quota um and then you know when i worked you know for an, a different place um, you would have to, to basically when you were counseling them on the on the drug, if they had any medication, it was almost like a script they would give you to read, and you had to just like read exactly what it was. Like you need to get this vaccine. You have you know have make sure you get this one, and and there was no like oh well what about your diet? What are you eating? What about your lifestyle? You know there wasn't any of that in there. Right. Okay. I can. And so um, I'm I'm sensing that. It obviously drew up levels of conflicts inside you in terms of what mm -hmm. I get that. So, and so if you say you had, like, say, um, if you take the vaccine thing, you, you had a target to hit for a day or, or a quota, sorry, were your words. Um, it was it a particular type or just as long as you did a certain amount of like vaccines in general, how did they? Um, when I was doing it, there was really, it was really just the flu shots for the main one. There was some of the pneumonia yeah. ones, but it was basically just a certain amount of the flu shots. Okay, and what was it about the flu shot in particular then? 
Um, um, so why, why flu? Um, is it? Yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting one because it's so um, commonly pushed here, at least in the United States, like you could go into a store and they would give you like a free gift card if you got it. <laughs> oh, wow. So, yeah. And then when I looked at some of the data on it, you know, as far as how effective is it really, um, you know, like looking at like right from the CDC, you know, Centers for Disease Control site, you know, they say that they basically guess to see what they think the next flu strains are going to be. And then if they made the right guess, um, according to like their own site, then it would only be effective 40 to 60% of the time. And even if they made the right guess and you got that same strain, you still might get it anyway. And then I just looked at the side Science. effects and some of the ingredients in it. And I just, I, I feel like people should just be aware of that information. If they still want to get it, that's fine. You know, but not, I didn't want to have to try to push it. Come get your flu shot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I, I can totally understand why, why you wouldn't want to do that. So along, along the way to, to do what you're doing now, what was the, what was the biggest challenge you think you faced from deciding to go for, you know, for want of a better phrase from the, like the nine to five mentality of, of a job job to creating something with more purpose? What would you, would you say has been the biggest challenge for you so far? Yeah. And I was, cause I was still working um, for like, you know, at a standard nine to five job when I started doing the podcast because I, I knew I wanted to do something else. I knew like kind of, you know, whatever in my heart or, you know, my purpose, like I need to do something that I feel like is really helping people. That's what I'm supposed to be doing as a pharmacist. And I don't feel like I'm actually doing that. Yeah. Um, so then I kind of started doing that and then getting in the, and then in the process. So now I'm not, I'm not working at all like for a company. I'm just doing the, the podcast now. So that's a you know challenge, obviously the difference in having a salary to not having one. Um, but I mean, it's, I'm, I'm enjoying it and it's, it's fun. And I mean, it's rewarding when I have, you know, people comment or write in like, Oh, this, you know, episode really helped me out. Or I learned this. Yeah. Cause you have, um, I'm, I'm trying to remember the actual, uh, the correct phrasing. It's, it's a, I want to say a mindful minute that you do. Is that right? Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah? I just, yeah, do that on Mondays. Like I have a regular, weekly episode come out Wednesdays and then um yeah and it's interesting you asked about mindfulness because what is what is that yes I do a Monday mindful minute <laughs> about you know using relating mindfulness to health which really I mean that's pretty mindfulness is related to health in so many different ways in so many different aspects because the way you know your mind is that kind of sets the stage for what your health is going to be, whether it's your emotional and your happiness, or just kind of getting your, you know, head on straight and making good, better health decisions too. So I just yeah do that kind of brief um, minute about some kind of mind mindful health top, topic related to your health. Yeah, I did, I did, I did, I did, did catch one or two of them when I when I've been on social media. I think they, I think they're a really good idea because I think that's part of the challenge, I think, with on online content, everyone's vying for people's attention. And sometimes people have got a lot to say, but not much time or attention to to direct it to. And, um, you know, being able to condense some useful things down into a minute, I think is helpful for people. So, you know, keep doing what you're doing because I like it. It's good. Um, I, I just got, you got me thinking then about how 
your, your mental approach to, to your health and how that impacts you. And it's got me thinking a little bit about um, current climate. So take into account that most people, not most people, but there's large numbers of people maybe afraid on some level at the moment, uh, maybe afraid to leave the house, maybe to have, afraid if they, you know, they've been in a certain place with a certain person that they're going to be, you know, potentially infected and die. Um, so I, for me, for me, I don't live in that particular fear. I, I'm, I'm content that I do a lot of the right things to keep myself protected. Uh, therefore I don't have to feel fearful. Um, and it made me think, you know, how, how many severe cases of illness could, um, of something that to some people is not a big deal and they'll just brush it off. But to some people it's more serious. And I wonder how many of those more serious cases can be avoided if people were less stressed and less worried, because obviously the impact on the immune system is where I'm thinking, you know, how could, you know, how could that, what kind of a difference could we make if we could make people a little bit less afraid of these kind of things? What yeah, that's so true. Yeah. Fear is such a big factor. And when you're afraid, it almost like paralyzes you or it leaves you like locked in and you're in kind of a flight or fight mode. And you're, then your body's like starting to get like on overdrive and you can actually make yourself sick just from being in this state of fear. So it, exactly. There's a lot of people, um, you know, in a state of like fear and, and worry and leading to all kinds of health consequences. And um, I think you, you brought up too, like the numbers of how many people are, are getting sick if people weren't afraid and they're, you know, outside getting sunshine and socializing with, with people, would that, you know, make a difference there? You know, at least I think on some level it would, I don't know exactly, but I, I do talk about of kind of like letting go of fear and worry because those things are going to hold us back. It's, you know, as far as our health, you know, mental, physically, all those things. And um, like you were saying that you were, you know, you don't live in that state and, you know, things that we can do, like there's things like we can take of um, vitamin C or D or zinc or exercise or get sunshine, um, just things like, like that. And kind of consciously choosing not to be in that, in that state of fear or worry can just kind of lift our, our spirits and helps just with our health at that basic level too. Yeah. I think it's interesting because I think sometimes um, that, that outlook can be viewed by other people as um, maybe reckless or even selfish in some people's eyes. You know, it's not not a contention that that I would share. Um, but it's it's interesting the way. But again, that comes from a place of fear, and I've always noticed that. So it's just, that's just the same thing happening again. And I think it's. I, I I genuinely wish if there's one thing that I could change tomorrow, it would be the amount of people that are worried because I think we'd all be in a better place. I don't think we'd all be like a little bit like you said earlier. I think we'd feel like we have more options than just the ones we, we are presented with more, more often. I think. Yes. And just with like natural things that you can do, if you are getting sick, there are a lot of options. So we don't have to be in the state of fear and afraid I mean, not even getting into the different, you know, stats of, well, who reported it and how serious is it? Because, you know, maybe that's, that's separate, but just even, you know, if it is whatever sickness people are coming, I'm down with, there's things that, that can, can be done for sure. And don't have to be afraid of it. Yeah, for sure. Um, 
so throughout throughout your your career and your life so far i'm always, i always like to understand where people it's not he's it's a it's not just a question of i'm going to touch on the topic of failure it's not just a question of um you know failure and what how we failed and what we learned but it's almost sometimes how we view it is is that it varies from person to person because I, I remember having a conversation with one person they don't even call it failure they just call it life lesson they won't even say the word <laughs> and that's you know that's their way of doing it so i'm curious for you so you know forgive my phrasing the question if it doesn't quite line up with the way that you see it but what would you say that have been you know a lesson that you've learned from from failure along the way yeah, I kind of share a similar perspective to what you were mentioning. I don't, I think of, oh, choices I could have made differently or things that I, you know, now I have knowledge to do better, but I don't, I don't think of it as, oh, this was my failure. That was my failure. Uh, to me, looking at it like that, it puts kind of a negative, negative spin on it and almost like it almost like just stops there. Like, okay, failure rather than oh, hey, this is a way I learned to improve and now I can do this better. So that kind of resonates more with, with me and gives me more, more positive, more um, direction to go on. Okay, so that makes sense. So from, so from that side of the spectrum, let's go to the other. Success habit. What, what do you think is that allowed you to sort of propel yourself forward into to creating your own broadcast and looking to uh, expand your your uh, your reach if you like what's got you from the path that you were on to now what would you say the success habit would be mm-hmm. I think it's just as simple as you know putting your mind to it and deciding you're going to do it um pretty much like anything in you know in my life I've had people say to me you know if you decide you're going to do it there's no stopping you <laughs> so it was once we make that decision we're not we're going to do it not just oh I want to do it or somebody else is doing it well that would be cool but once it's hey I'm deciding I'm going to do it then then even if I don't know how to do it yet, I'm going to learn and I'm just going to make one step at a time and going to gradually get there. So it's really that um, determination, I think, and uh, perseverance. Okay. Just jumping back to in, in the intro, I mentioned that you said that you value truth, freedom, and family. Now, family is an easy one, so we'll, we'll leave family. But if I asked you, you know, what, what do you think, what, what would you say freedom is? When you say you value it, what does it mean? What does freedom mean to you? Mm-hmm. Um, freedom, I think just freedom as a human being. Freedom not to be um, controlled by your, you know, your government or another ruling party. You know, free, freedom for, you know, in, in the United States, I guess we say we should have a basic right to, you know, speech and, um, and unrestricted movement and just things, things of that nature. Okay. Okay. And same for truth. Because truth is it, I think truth is a really interesting one because, you know, these days, um, you know, if we take into account the the levels of, I alluded to it earlier, polarization that we're at, where if you say a positive thing about a controversial public figure, even though you might not agree with all their thoughts and opinions, but if you support that public figure in some way, shape or form, people then are in a hurry to to label you as you are that. Okay, that that encapsulates your entire personality. That is who you are, because you said that that one thing. So, for you, what does what would you say that truth means? I mean, truth. I I just say. I mean, simply as you know, what is um, 
I want to say the word, you know, the definition without using the word in it, right? So it's, okay. um, it's and right, there's a lot of different views and, and opinions. So if I'm trying to kind of seek the truth, whether it's, you know, what's best to make people healthier, it's, you know, it's being open to considering it, like all those and then finding what, I guess, what is, you know, what is correct or, or right or, or truthful. Does that make sense? Yeah, and I think do you know what it's it's actually something well worth digging a little deeper into because when it comes to health, I'm not talking about every subject that you could possibly find online, but when it comes to health, what would you say is a good a good way to to identify sources of credibility? Because these days we have um, you know big companies with independent fact checkers and things like that. But then, you know, if you if you if you're diligent enough, you can find that the fact checkers end up working for the people that they're independently fact checking, which is obviously not independent. So that in itself for me is a contradiction because you're thinking that credible, completely credible organization. Oh, wait, hang on a minute. That's not making too much sense. What what's going on there? So from on a health side of things, what would you how would you say that is a good way to go about being a bit more sure of what you're reading and what you're consuming Mm -hmm. yeah pretty much anytime you're looking at um, a mainstream publication you're getting one view and like you mentioned with the funding too like if you're researching and looking at a study then you can look at like who who who's sponsoring it and um, who's funding it and if you're basically to get a whole nother side from the the big mainstream is I think a lot of times those the other side's actually going to be labeled as not correct. So it's somewhat you know unintuitive for someone maybe who's only used to doing mainstream research and then they see the fact check and the fact check says well the other person's wrong. Yeah. So being able to say okay well the fact check says it but let me just go see what they're saying. Let me just read it with an open mind and see if it makes sense. And then I think just, you know, using some, some common sense and then just looking at things that aren't the, the big mainstream, you know, that isn't the CDC, the WHO, big companies. Yeah. No, no, I totally, totally understand where you're coming from. It's, and it's a good, it is a good thing to, to try and bear in mind because it, I think we, we live in a world where if it's a, a, either a household name or a, a trusted brand, we tend to, um just do without thinking sometimes you know like for example mcdonald's is a really trusted brand uh, but i don't eat that crap <laughs> i was like no way you know every now and again that will happen for me but it's almost under protest um and because you know as, as big as they may be as 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 world renowned as they might be i know that the you basically take my eating poisons so it's like for me not not just a non-starter however the you know the the public perception is hey it's happy happy meals hey bring your kids here poison them too sorry but you know you know what i mean don't you the way that things look as opposed to how they are are not always with the advertising they can make it you know anything seem great any you know looking at the you know medication commercials and things they can make it appear one way for sure but that's not necessarily the case yeah um and 
there was there was another question that I had for you, and it was when when you look at the the, the holistic health approach, how do you um, how do you see your approach in that uh, evolving over time? So where would you see if we took if we made mindful empowerment a brand, say? just to make it simpler, where would you see, or what would you love to see in maybe the next so five years or so with it? Yeah, um, I mean, definitely an expansion of like continuing doing the the podcast and then like people can t- contact me directly for like health coaching, things like, like of that nature yeah. and about just bringing more awareness to other options in health and more, and then the awareness in and of it, in of itself, I think brings empowerment because then people realize, oh, wait, I have the power to, to decide, you know, if I'm going to do this or that for my health, or if I'm going to just do what this doctor says, or if I'm going to do my own research. And then even that like conscious act of realizing, oh, wait, I can, I can take my power back. I can decide, you know, what my best, best choice is for me, for my health, even doing that. I think that gives like an empowering, maybe um, thought or feeling and that can, that, I mean, that in and of itself is good for, you know, for people's health to have that like kind of like positive um, resonating with them. But I guess, yes, yeah. So where do I see to take the brand? It's like, it's about, you know, yeah, continuing on, on that like holistic health approach, bringing more awareness to it. Okay. So say, say I come to you and I have a variety of health concerns let me just see pick out a few of the the big ones so right so one let's say i'm obese um, and i want to inverted commas lose weight okay so i've come to you with that i don't sleep very well i'm anxious um what else could be wrong with me um i get pins and needles a lot um do you have, you have pins and needles in the US? I just realized that might be a phrase you diets don't use. You know, when you get poor circulation, it tingles. Okay. Yeah, that's what pins and needles is to, to us. So they're, they're my things. How would we work together to put together sort of a plan to start adding some things in to, to help, help me with those particular issues? Because if we're looking at a holistic approach, mm-hmm. people often have lots of different problems, but maybe they stem from one source, maybe it's multiple sources. How could we work together to put a plan to get together to, to help with that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we have um, when lose weight, didn't sleep well, poor, poor circulation and uh, anxiety too, did you say that? That's right, yeah. Right. So then there's gonna be probably different compo- components to that. There's probably some emotional kind of components going on, you know, life, lifestyle things. And then there's definitely some diet factors too. So rather than kind of starting with everything all together, um, I mean, I'll, I'll get you know, more details about, you know, your, um, your, your diet and your lifestyle and different, you know, any medical conditions, things like that. And then start kind of with, with probably start with a diet first. It depends on the person too, and their overall goals and kind of what, what state they're in, whether it's go right to the diet or let's look at more environmental kind of emotional things too, but, um, getting a, a kind of a gradual plan with, with the diet of what kind of things to add in that you're not getting right now. And then getting to a point where, okay, and then we can remove, you know, these one or two things and the diet. I mean, that's going to affect the sleep right there. A lot of times that affects the, um, you know, the emotional anxiety, at, at least at some level. 
and kind of get to that next next step and just kind of take it one one step at a time. And then there's different kinds of sleep hygiene. You know, so the diet could be affecting it, could be whatever the anxiety is, could be affecting it. But then there's other, you know, other things as well um, to to implement is lifestyle changes. Um, so, so I guess, yeah, that would be a start. No, no, it's great. And I'm sorry if I'm putting you on the spot, Mary. It's more because I think it's important for people to have an insight into potentially how simple it could be, but just given the right focus with the right person. So, you know, that's why I was, I was thinking, I was thinking along those lines. I mean, if we, is it okay to do another hypothetical? Because I'm just thinking something that definitely applies to a lot of people, especially when we're in circumstances around the world that we are, you know, like in lockdown and things like that, and not being able to go out as much. So let's say, so I come to you and I'm like, say to you, like, say, Mary, I really need help because I can't stop snacking all the time because I never leave the house anymore. So I'm constantly eating, you know, uh, biscuits, crisps, so like chips, um, but you, all those kind of like snack foods that I, I know really deep down they're not helping me that much, but I just, I don't even realize I'm eating them half the time. I, how would we, how would we try and approach that? Mm -hmm. And I think you said some of it too, like you're almost like coming at it, like consciously going, Hey, because I'm not leaving the house maybe and living in this state of fear and in this lockdown, Hey, this is at least something I can, you know, have, you know, pleasure for me in food, or this is something to occupy my time. So it's almost like you're almost like consciously at, at the, some point of realizing it and you want to do something about it. But I, I think, um, I think acknowledging it and deciding you want like that change that it really has to be the first step. Cause you, you know, I might try to do it for other people or, or something, but if they don't, if somebody has to want it themselves to have that change. And then from there, it's like looking at it okay, well, why, you know, why are we, why are we snacking? Did you, you know, did you used to do that? What kind of changed? Oh, well, it was like, maybe it was a lockdown that changed and now I'm here and now I'm, now I'm living in fear and panic. So this is what I'm doing. It's like, okay, well maybe there's, you know, addressing a few different aspects to it. Um, you know, actually we talked a little bit about natural things you can do, like taking the vitamin C and D and zinc and changes like that in your diet. So you're actually not going to be that, you know, susceptible to getting sick. So maybe, okay. So that maybe take things to like kind of start taking down some of the fear. Um, like, are you not having a lot of social contact with other, you know, other people? Okay. Well, what, well, maybe because of the lockdown, there's certain rules you have to abide by, but in what ways can you maybe start doing video calls or things like that? And then if it's, um, there can be like meditation, things like that to incorporate in, um, you know, and maybe it's just someone's like, Hey, I don't feel like I have a purpose and I'm depressed and I'm snacking all day. Right. So there, there could be a lot of different components to it, but really like getting into what is the situation and what's going on in their head and um and then replacing that with hey instead of having a snack i'm going to go do this instead like this kind of more like empowering activity so that could yeah. be one approach yeah yeah i and i'm curious that I, I think that i was wondering about and i like that you highlighted the the acknowledgement side of things because you know like you have to want to to change to stand a chance don't you, you do have to be motivated or, and then, and then after the motivation comes, there has to be an element of discipline in there. And I just wondered about your thoughts on, especially as a woman, because it's not definitely a different. It's a different type of. There's different types of like um, preconceived positive body images for men than there are for women. It's di it's different. So I always 
look at and it confuses me sometimes is that it's a, like a positive body image for people that are at like a hundred percent they're obese and the the health is in danger but you see taglines like um love love my curves and this is who i am you can't body shame me and stuff like that and that's you know these are fair comments except for where do we draw the line between um you know if you want to label it as body shaming or what have you where do we draw, draw the line between there and then accepting that or championing the self-destruction of of your own health don't know what you what you think about that kind of thing yeah it seems like it can be taken to an extreme that oh you know whatever i i my weight is or my health is oh i love my body right i think that's like what what you're saying but, but it is at a certain you know point if it's not i mean it's not healthy to just eat you know junk food all the time or to be overweight i mean that's just not good for you and as you know your body is all all related you know your mind to your your body if you're eating that food your mind isn't going to be as like sharp and alert and you're not you're going to be more weighed down and you know as as people gradually get into better shape they find that you know kind of their mind has that like mind body connection and um and that actually has benefits too so i, th- I think it i mean definitely and you know we all see you know commercials or or whatever of a standard image so you don't want to get into um like, oh, I have to be this, like whatever perfect thing is. But I think, you know, on the other hand, you do want to be healthy and not just given it, you know, it could be an excuse to say like, oh, well, I just love me for me just as I am and I don't want to change anything. Yeah, I've I, one of the ones I've heard many times and um, is, well, you know, I'm, you know, say someone said that they'll, they'll say their age followed by that's the reason why they're, they're away. Well, I'm, you know, I'm 45 now. And I'm always like, so? <laughs> it's like, and so it does for me it's the like i say the acceptance of almost like a passive acceptance of deterioration and i I think i think slightly differently i think no no fight resist you know see what you can still become you know i'm i intend to be you know physically active and in in good shape well into my 60s if if that's possible taking all that as many steps as i can to make that happen but I just find, I find that mentality confusing. And I'm just wondering how many people do you deal with that would maybe preconceive their age as um, the reason or the problem? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. I mean, certainly, you know, with age, there's changes, you know, in, you know, different physiological components of your body. But just like what you're saying with, you know, exercise and things, a lot of it is about these these little decisions that we do every day that add up over time. So if we keep, you know, making these kind of small decisions that are, are good for our health. Yeah. We're going to be 60. We're going to be exercising still to be doing yoga things. And that it's, and we don't have to fall into this, that trap. Oh, just because I'm this age, I'm now going to have three chronic, you know, diseases. Okay. So finally then Mary, one quick, the question I would like to finish one would be if you could do nothing else, and you can only do one thing for you personally, what would you, what would it be that you'd use as your primary overall well-being tool? What would you say that you, you'd use if you could pick one, one element? Um, overall one well-being tool. Um, I would say yoga. That, that would be, that would be it. I know that when I started practicing it, I felt like it changed my life, changed, helped me to 
be more mindful, right? <laughs> Whatever that, that means, but you know, really um, help to be more aware, help to kind of s- slow down, be more thoughtful, and then, you know, physically get the exercise benefits too. It's something I, I used to do quite a lot of, and then I don't do it so much anymore. I still exercise regularly, but I, I do yoga every now and again. But I, I do remember when the first time I ever got into it, I was astounded by the difference in me when I walked out as opposed to when I walked in. So everything from, um, you know, the, my rate of my breathing, heart rate, uh, how, I don't know, have you felt? I think you, the more you do something, the less you tend to notice the big changes you go along. It just becomes a, a familiar feeling. But I remember noticing um, how I felt f- like physically lighter mm-hmm. when, I, when I left the, the, the studio. I remember thinking, this is strange. I feel like I've like lost like a few kilograms of weight. It's really, really weird. But it was definitely like a positive sense, not like a, it wasn't in any way unbalancing or anything. It was really, really positive. But uh, but so yoga is the key, apparently. Yeah, I, I know. I felt dramatically different too, like when I would go to a class from where I started to where I ended. And sometimes, you know, I'd have like, you know, an intensive, you know, teacher would be like, a, you know, one hour power yoga and then you know 10 minutes in I'm thinking oh man why did I come but I I mean I'm like oh I know because I know at the end I'm going to feel great I just did feel dramatically different have you mastered any um uh like crazy difficult poses yet I remember when I I would go to a class with my my uh, my yogi uh, she's actually a friend of mine still I call uh, Suzanne I'm hoping to get her as a guest on this podcast at some point and she um she would do it in levels she'd be like okay so this is entry level this is if you're feeling a bit more ambitious and then this is if you're really capable and ambitious and I remember it, like some headstands and things like that and I remember seeing some quite graceful people across the room doing it and all of a sudden you just hear this clatter that was me hitting the deck but it, I, I would always try I was wondered if you mastered any any of the ones that you know instagrammable poses if you like I mean, I didn't necessarily do all the crazy ones, but and it's it's all about, you know, like you're saying, trying and then just kind of keep getting to the next level. I think the process. I think the, I can't remember what, what pose it is. Is it a frog? It's not a frog. What's the one where you, you balance on your, you put your legs over there, over your elbows, but your feet are on the, uh, hands are on the ground. That's the one, the last one I successfully did with. Yes, with, that's one I could do too. I can't, I can't remember the name right now, but. Yeah, I, I probably can't do any more, but I could at the time. But um, but Mary, look, thank you so much for your time. It's been really, really interesting to talk to you. I really, I wish you all the best with mindful empowerment. I think, like I said, only even if it's only from my perspective that you seem to be really onto something with combining things. I think we seem to be living in a world of specialism, and from what I've observed of of, of the planet so far. The, you know, the most successful people are, tend, they tend to be the people who know bits about everything, not somebody who's just in, in one lane and sticking to one lane only. So I hope that, hope that your outlook can, can spread and more people can start to see the things that they can do to prevent. We don't need to necessarily wait for something to strike us down before we take action. We can be just, like you said, little steps every day just to make sure that our life is a better quality for longer. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me on. It's, it's been great talking to you and yeah, people can find me on, you know, YouTube or, you know, Spotify, Apple podcasts, things like that. Yeah, no worries. And so, um, so just to repeat, so to be the mindful empowerment podcast, 
Um, it's on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. You'll be like, find you on YouTube and check out Mar- uh, Mary's Mindful Mindful Mondays. I, I like them. I like them. It's good. If it's just one minute, doesn't take long and it's a, you, you learn a little bit of something every time. Awesome. So, thank you. Yeah. Thank you again. So this is Chris Kirkby and it's been the 23. I'll see you really soon. <laughs>